Hello, everybody. Welcome to By the Campfire with the Barrios. I'm your host, Landon Barrios. Oh boy, last episode. What a um, what a ride, wasn't it? Boy, I got a I got a lot of feedback from you guys out there, and apparently y'all really liked it. Y'all really loved it, and I really appreciate it, y'all. I really do. Um, like I said before in the last podcast, I am not a preacher of any kind. Um, I am just a uh, church member, okay? I'm a church member, uh, a concerned church member, you might say. Um, I got a lot of feedback from y'all. Uh, I got a call from somebody, one of my buddies, and he told me that his mom listened to the podcast and that um, and that it really, it really hit home on her end and what church she goes to. And, uh, and, and that story that was shared to me, that, that, that meant a lot. And so they, you know, I was real nervous about airing that last episode. Um, I had talked to a bunch of people, family members really about airing this podcast. And I'd actually, I don't want to say preach, but I did. I preached it to my family members, my cousins, uh, some friends over the phone and had a lot of discussion about it about that topic, because it is a sensitive topic, you know, um, we don't like to think that a a few generations before us really failed, they really dropped the ball, and we don't like to think, you know, we don't like to, I don't know how to say it, but it's, it's an easier way to just say, we're just going into the end times. And it's easy. It is easier. You know, it's easy to say, well, it's just the Bible says the world's going to get bad and the world's going to get worse. You know, and that's, that's, that's a true statement. It, it's, um, it is going to get worse. But, um, but it could be better. It could always be better. Um, you know, I always look back to, um, to when Jesus first left and he went, went to heaven. And the disciples were sitting around because he said, I'll be back soon. And the disciples were sitting around waiting for him to come back like he was going to come back in just a few minutes. And the angel of the Lord came down. He said, you know, what are y'all doing? Go. Go preach the gospel. Go do what the Lord had commanded you to do. Do the Great Commission. And I always look, I always look towards that. And, you know, like, I feel like sometimes we're just satisfied what we have in church and that, that in today's times it's not going to change unless – our conservative churches go into a more liberal worship, a more liberal direction in our churches, unless we do something like that, that things aren't going to change in our small churches. But boy, that is wrong. You know, the Lord says he'll, he'll provide. The Lord says the field is ready for harvest. In other words, you know, there's people out there that are lost, just like that, um, that little, um, story I gave y'all with the Titanic, you know, there's, you know, we're in our lifeboats, we're saved, we know, we know we're going to be okay, but there's a field of harvest, there is a bunch of people out there that need the gospel, and, um, and that's what we're here to do, that's exactly what we're here to do, you know, <clears throat> I talk to a lot of people, uh, a lot of young people, because uh, I'm a youth leader, you know, youth pastor, whatever you want to call it, and, um, and I talk to a lot of kids, and I talk to a lot of adults, and um, young adults that are in college and everything. And I asked them, I said, you know, what's, what's your goal in life? And uh, the majority of the answer is I want a good job. I want to make money. 
And brothers and sisters, there's nothing wrong with making good money. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, you know, right now, I mean, money would be pretty good right now because, you know, not to get into too much politics, whatever, but um, I we have no idea where we're going, <laughs> America-wise. You know, I have no clue. Uh, do I have concerns? Absolutely. I'm a strong Republican. Um, I'm a strong Republican. I'm not a Democrat at all. And if you're a Democrat, well, boy, I'm, uh, you know, let's have a conversation. You know, I would love to have you on the podcast. You know, not to change your mind, not to sway you in any way. If you know, but if you strongly believe that, boy, I'd love to have you on the podcast. Uh, which, because I really don't know a Democrat, like a real liberal Democrat. I do have a friend out there that, well, someone that I used to know. Uh, that was a song I was trying to quote. Anyways, someone that I used to know that is uh, went to college and uh, and they came out pretty liberal. I mean, you know, pretty, pretty liberal. I mean, pretty left wing, you might say. But anyways, if you know, if you're, you're a Democrat, whatever, you know, come and have this. Uh, let's have a conversation. Love to have you. Um, I've been getting a lot of stuff like, uh, when is the next person coming on, you know, and all this different stuff? Well, it's kind of hard right now because just a lot of things are going on, uh, in people's lives. Um, uh, I've had some people lined up. I did. And unfortunately I had to push it back for a lot of folks. Uh, just some things happening in our lives, you know, busy, busy and everything. And right now it's a really good opportunity just for me to study my Bible. And um, that way I can get the word out. You know, I love having conversations with people and we can do that. I mean, we can absolutely do that. But remember, this podcast was really based on mine and Mallory's life. And it was supposed to be like, you could say a little log, a little diary for me and Mallory to look back on it and, and remember what we were going through. And uh, people want those episodes out too. And of course, you have to remember, this is a lifelong thing we're doing here. <laughs> I mean, I don't plan on letting this podcast go anytime soon um, because we I, we love doing it. I love doing it. Uh, I know Mallory's not on a whole lot. And, you know, there's reasons for that. Uh, usually when we do it, it's late at night. And normally she's tired and it's kind of harder during the day because of our busy schedules. But um, but we are going to be pumping out those kind of episodes. So this is episode 11 um, in the new year. So um, we'll be doing 15 episodes per season. I think that's how we're going to do it. I was going to do 10, but there's too much going on. And I really like I like maybe 15 or 16 episodes and then we'll go on to season two. Uh, but anyways... I have a few more things to say, and then we'll jump right in, right into the topic. Um, I don't only drink coffee when I drink on the, when I'm on the podcast. Uh, when I do these podcasts, I do have coffee, like I do now. Coffee break. I like to do two creams, two sugars, and just a normal cup of a normal size cup of coffee. That's how I like it. I like my women, I like my coffee, I like my women sweet and tan. My wife is a little bit more whiter than than my coffee, which is fine. <laughs> but I also drink another thing on the podcast besides water. You got to have the Lord's water. But there's another thing I drink on the podcast. And I drink tea. I drink tea. I drink lime 
tea. Now, there's a reason behind why I drink lime tea. You know, it's not because of just the taste. I absolutely love the taste. I've been hooked on the taste since I was a kid. But I want to tell y'all real quickly how I got introduced to lime tea. When I was a boy, when I was a little kid, we would go down on my fam- on my dad's side of the family. We'd go down to South Texas, uh, the valley area, San Juan, uh, McAllen, Mission, all that good, all those good places in the valley. Well, I would stay with my cousins, Rami and Robbie. Me and Trent would, would, me and Trent would stay with our cousins, Rami and Robbie. And every single time, without fail, every time I went down there, my tia, my aunt, she would make lime tea. And I remember when she first made it, I, I, I thought it was just regular tea because we'd always drink sodas or water or something of that nature. And, uh, and she had a pitcher of tea. And then she was at the table. She said, anyone, what do you want to drink? What do you want to drink? And I said, oh, you know, whatever, whatever. What do you have? She was like, I got tea. I was like, oh, you know, I just felt like drinking tea. I was like, I'll take tea. So everyone gets sodas or waters, whatever, and I get my tea. Well, boy, when I tasted this tea, it tasted like no other. I was about probably about nine years old when I first tasted lime tea. And when I tasted that lime tea, it just, oh, my goodness, it just about knocked me off my feet. Oh, so good. And I went to Walmart the other day, and I found this lime tea, and I put it together, stirred it up. Of course, it wasn't actual lime. She would make it with actual limes. Uh, This is just that powdered stuff. And it tastes so familiar, but it does not taste like anything my Tia Rosie used to make. And I love my Tia Rosie. My Tia Rosie is the best Tia Rosie that anyone that I have ever had. And she makes the best lime tea ever. I don't care what you say. You can argue with me. You can, well, you know, pitch a fit, whatever. You, you can go cry in your bedroom. I don't care. My tea makes the best lime tea ever. Oh, yeah. And I like it strong. Like when I go to Sonic, I'll get a Route 44, easy ice, six slices of lime in the middle. That's right. Six slices of lime in the middle, sweet tea. And why do I put it in the middle instead of the top? Well, if you put it in the middle, when they put the when they put the iced tea in it, it filters through. You see, if they put it on top, they put the tea first, then the then the um, then the slices of lime. I don't like it like that because you don't taste no lime. All the limes are on top. When you put the straw down in there, they they just taste like regular tea up until the very end. I don't like it like that. It's all watered down and and um, and then tea. And I don't like it like that. I like it to be filtered in. So I like the more you drink, the stronger it becomes. But at the, you know, at the very beginning, you still have that taste of lime tea. That's how I like to. That's how I drink and order from Sonic. Anyways, I just thought I wanted to share with that with y'all because everyone you know talks about Landon drinks this, Landon drinks that, always coffee. He don't even drink water or anything like that. I do. I drink water. I drink coffee and I drink lime tea. I don't. I don't drink sodas anymore. Yeah, I know. I work for Dr. Pepper and I don't drink sodas. Listen, if you had to deal with as many sodas as I do on a daily basis, you wouldn't either. Okay? Let's get into it. Okay, we are back in uh, 2 Kings chapter 23. Okay? 2 Kings chapter 23. And remember, in the last podcast, our main verse was chapter 22, verses 13, which is, which is Josiah uh, speaking. He's saying, go ye acquire of the Lord for me and for the people of, excuse me, I got a burp. Oh, my heavens. 
Lord, forgive me. Um, he says, and for the people and for all of Judah concerning the words of this book that is found for the great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us. And here's the quote, because our fathers have not hearkened to the words of this book to do according unto all that which is written concerning us. So the last podcast, I know it ended on a bad note. Okay. And that's fine. Sometimes it's good to end on a bad note. Uh, we don't always need this. You know, this isn't really a sermon, okay? This is just a Bible study, okay? This is this is a topic that I talk about, you know. And y'all are and y'all are and I'm glad that y'all love it. I'm glad that I got the uh, response that I got from it. By the way, we have hit over 408 of y'all listening. Ain't that crazy? That's insane. I don't even I don't even know if I know half of y'all. I think I do because I posted on Snapchat and Instagram. I haven't even posted on Facebook yet. But over 408 of y'all have listened to this podcast. And I want to thank y'all so much for y'all listening to me ramble on, me and Mallory and my friends. But thank y'all so much. So the last um, episode, we talked about how the rise and fall of churches. We talked about how the grandparents kind of dropped the ball when they were brought an opportunity for their children a better life through sports and education. And they took the foundation of God out of their hearts and put their foundation, put their heart's foundation in sports and education, self-pride, self-success. So that's where we were at. That's where we're ended. And so we're going to go on into reading about Josiah and what Josiah actually did. You know, let's finish off. I know, you know, last episode I had to wrap it up really quickly, but now that we're through that, we're, we're through that, we realize what happened. We realize the downfall of, of our churches. We realize the issue. Uh, one of the main issues of very many, many, many issues that went on in our churches. Um, but that was, I, that is the two of the most key things is what happened. God being replaced by sports and education. As simple as that may sound. You know, we like to blame it on drugs. We like to blame it on music. We like to blame it on a lot of things. But ultimately, those two things were the cause, okay? So now that we know that, now that's been established, let's see what Josiah went through. Let's see what he uh, went on to accomplish after he found um, this book, the, the book of the law, the Bible, you could say. It wasn't a complete version, obviously, like we have today, but it was portions of the law of the Bible. So, let's read on, uh, starting in chapter 23. Finally, we're getting going somewhere after like 20 minutes or so. So, here we go. Chapter 23, verses 1. And the king sent, and there gathered unto all the elders of Judah and of Jerusalem. And the king went up into the house of the Lord, and all the men of Judah, and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem with him, and the priests and the prophets, and all... Sorry, I'm like super far away from Mike. Now I gotta read my Bible this direction. Okay, I'm sorry. Here we go. And the priests and the prophets and all the people, both small and great. That's important. And all the people of small and great. And he read in their ears all the words of the book of the covenant which was found in the house of the Lord. And the king, Josiah, stood by a pillar 
and made a covenant before the Lord and walked after the Lord. And he kept his commandments and his testimonies and his statues and all their hearts and their souls to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book. And all the people stood to the covenant. Let's quickly read verses 23. Okay, let's skip over. Um, yeah, to verse 23 really quick, and then we'll have it, we'll, then we'll talk about it. But in the 18th year of King Josiah, wherein this Passover was holden to the Lord of Jerusalem, moreover, the workers and the familiar spirits and the wizards and the images and the idols and all the abominations that were spied in the land of Judah and Jerusalem, did Josiah put away, okay, he put away that he might perform the word of the law, which was written in this book, that Hilakai, whatever, the priest found in the house of the Lord. And like unto him, there was no king before him that turned the Lord with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his might, according to the law of Moses, neither after him arose any like him. Okay, so we read, summoning this up, that Josiah, when he found this book, he realized that they were, there was a major disconnect, that, there was, that his people had strayed so far that his forefathers had led his people down a horrible, evil path uh, with a, wor- uh, worshiping other idols, worshiping other images. I thought there was another verse. I may have skipped a verse because I thought there was something about planets and moons. And I had it written down, but now I can't find it. Anyways, oh well, uh, this sums up pretty much what I was talking about. So we realized, he realized there was a disconnect. He found this book and realized, oh my goodness, we are so far away from God. So what did he do? He gets everyone, everyone in Judah and in Jerusalem, gather them together, gather them together. And what's interesting, he didn't just gather the most important people. He didn't gather the most religious people, the politicians, the rich, just the poor. No, he grabbed everyone. It says here, wherever it was, uh, both small and great. Everyone. He had everyone together simultaneously. And he read the book. He was telling people that, look, what we're doing is wrong. The direction we're going is wrong, and we've got to change. We got to go a different direction. So, what did he do? What did he do? He goes on and he destroys everything that is representing any kind of idol that worship Baal, that worship Baal, or whatever. Um, anything that represented anything other than God, they got rid of. Any kind of temptations, any kind of nastiness, any kind of altars, any kind of priest, even the people that worship these, that were teaching these things, um, they got rid of. They said, look, we're not doing this anymore. We're not going to have this in my country. We're not going to do this here. We're going to serve the Lord and we're going to serve the Lord the right way. And we're going to have fire and we're going to have enthusiasm. And what's funny was... He did this all in in his 18 years. So he was a young man when he found the book. He was a young man when he found the book. And through his years, his young life, you know, his young adult life, he was able to completely turn a nation around. And what was interesting, what's super interesting, is that in verse 25, I love this verse 25. 
I love this verse 25 because it shows what all he's done. After everything he's done, he's finished everything. He's getting rid of all this stuff. He's actually progressing further. He's doing what you could say today would be like the Great Commission. Changing the hearts of the people towards God. And it says here in verse 25, and like unto him there And like unto him was there no king before him that turned to the Lord with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his might, according to all the law of Moses. Neither after him arose there any like him. So before, there was no man that had a desire to serve the Lord. And even after him, There was not one man that had a desire to serve the Lord like he did. That's an interesting fact. That's an interesting statement. Remember, this is a young man. This is not no old person. This is not no 50, 60, you know, uh, person years old. This This is a young man. A young ruler. A young king. Who had a desire, who had a thrive to change his people's heart, to change his heart. It was in him. There was a fire in him to serve God. No man before, no man after was like him. A young man. And it doesn't, and you know, it's... You got to think about it. There was challenges. It wasn't easy. It had to be difficult. You know, we. Uh, you know, I would love to 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 read the whole thing of of Josiah, but I'll leave that up to you. But there were some difficult times. To change an entire culture to go from to living one lifestyle to another is not easy. It can't be easy. But it was done. It was done. (laughs) You know, as a young man, I grew up in church my whole life. My parents were absolutely dedicated in church. They were youth leaders. They were in choir. They did the VBS. I mean, my parents were, they were that one family that did it all. And as we grew older, you know, Elena, my older sister, she started teaching a class, you know, by the age of like, you know, uh, 18 or so. And then when I was like 11, I was up teaching whatever I knew. And then I started teaching, you know, the youth. I started bringing more devotionals in front of the whole church. At one point, I took on the devotional for the entire church before we went to our classes. I was teaching our young adults at one point when we had a college and career class. You know, when I stood up in front of the church one time and I, and I, you know, when I offered, I said, you know, we need a bigger room in our church. I said, for, you know, you know, I was teaching this class and, and of course, mom and dad were in there, you know, and 
I would bring the lesson, and it was more of a discussion. We'd bring a lesson, we'd discuss it and everything like that. And the mom and dad were in there, you know, to make sure we didn't get too far off track or I didn't get too far off track. You know, I was learning. I was young. I was learning, you know, how, how to be a teacher. But I had a desire for it. I had a desire to teach, and I wanted to do it. This is what I wanted to do. And, um, and I remember standing up in front of the church. I was about 21. It wasn't too long ago. It was two years ago. And I asked the church, I said, you know, we need a, we need a bigger room. We need a bigger room because we have a great opportunity here. We have, we have 15 college-age students. I mean, where do you see that in other churches? You might see that in the mega churches. Of course, you're going to see stuff like that. But in our small, uh, really conservative churches, you know, you don't see that. Kids get swallowed up. And they were coming on Wednesday nights and Sundays. I mean, this was a dedicated group of people. We had young adults we had going on here. And we need, we were in this really small classroom, and we needed a bigger classroom. And, in fact, we actually wanted our own little room to where we could have, like, coffee and drinks and food and snacks and play games and, you know, stuff like that. And, uh, and I remember bringing it up in front of the church. And I'll never forget it. But it was a bunch of older folks, and there were a bunch of questions. And the more questions arose that were asked, the more concerns the church had. And skipping towards the end, we never did get a better room. And because of that, and because of a few other things, we ended up losing our entire class. It went from 15 to 2, which is me and Elena. Andy was there, but he was working, so he could only come on Sundays. So, very devastating. I was heartbroken. It really upset me that there was progression in the church. And there wasn't just progression in family members and, and, and youth, teenagers. This was, this was a, a progression in young adults, college-age students, stuff that you don't see every single day. I mean, those are the students that you think, oh, well, by the time they turn 18, they're out of church, they're gone, and yet they're still here. They were still holding on. They still wanted to be a part of a church because a lot of times the church they actually went to, like they were members of, they didn't have anything for them. The churches that, that they were members of, they didn't have a young adult class, a college age class. So they would all meet up at, at our church because we said, hey, you know, we'll start something. We'll do something with them. So as all these kids grew up in church and they grew up in youth, instead of having to go to the, you know, kind of, adult class where all the older people we're saying hey we'll make our own little group and we'll have in-depth bible study and we'll study and we'll have fun we'll have a good time we'll fellowship and with our own age so we can grow together as a next generation uh but because there were issues that came up that could have easily been avoided but you know you know i mean we've all been there when you, we've all heard about the church split over the color of the carpet or, or, or how we handle, you know, um, 
fifth Sunday or youth Sunday, whatever, some kind of, you know, weird, petty issue, um, you know, because of that, because they, because those issues tend to get in the way at times, they allowed the whole thing just to crumble up and now it's completely gone. There's not one college age student in that church anymore. Very, 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 very sad. There was an opportunity there for progression. There was an opportunity for change, but it didn't happen. But that did not stop me from growing in God. It discouraged me. It upset me. I mean, boy, I mean, I was heartbroken. I couldn't believe. I mean, this was my church. I couldn't believe that I was going through something like this. I couldn't believe in my heart that they wouldn't support it. They wouldn't be so like, just like, yes, absolutely. Whatever we could do, let's do it. Let's help you. You know, what y'all are doing is amazing. They didn't have that attitude. There was more of an attitude of there were issues. There were problems that were going to occur, maybe, possibly. And it ended up completely crashing and burning. But that didn't stop me. You know, I, when, when we got married, me and Mallory got married, you know, I joined her church. Actually, when I became her fiancé, I joined her church. And um, and and now we're, we're, we're taking over the youth group. Because there was none. There was no youth group. There was a few youth kids when we first started. It was practically two. Well, there's three, but practically two. And we've only had it for a few months. I mean, we've only been doing this since, I think, October. And since then, we've gotten three other, four other kids. So now there's six kids coming to church. Of course, we've had COVID, lots of COVID in our church. So we haven't had church uh, just, about mo- just about most of December. We didn't have church. Uh, and going on through January, we still we're having a church, but we're having church this Sunday, thank goodness. But um, but it didn't stop me from going to church. It didn't stop me from losing my faith in the Lord. It, I mean, I lost a lot of faith in some people that I looked up to, that I admired. But it didn't stop me from faith in the Lord. You know, a lot of times, you know, I think I think a lot of issues. And I'm not saying I'm better than anybody else, but I, I've seen where, you know, little things like that can easily keep young people out of church. Keep them away from church. Like, oh my goodness, I'm not going through that again. I'm not gonna embarrass I'm not gonna stick my neck out and and embarrass myself like that, just get shut down in front of the whole church. Like, you know, that's that's some pretty tough stuff. And I, the older I get, the more upset it kind of makes me. But I've learned, I learned that that was such a great learning moment. Such a great learning moment. And it really put my faith in the Lord a lot more. Because, you know, it's not easy doing this podcast and bringing up these devotionals, you know, having a conversation like this. Getting your words and thoughts and minds and feelings out there and letting 408 people you know, listen to you, you know, I mean, that's, that's almost crazy talk. Like, why would you do that? But I'm doing it. 
I'm doing it because I love to do it. I do it because I, I have a, a desire. You know, as I was studying this, I was reading, the, you know, Josiah, and I, I loved how, how they described him as, you know, there was no other man like him before or after. I, I, you know, when I was studying this, I like to read it like this. I like to read, and this is kind of corny, but this is so important. When you study the Bible, put your name in the Bible. I know we shouldn't add or take away, but do that and, and watch it affect you. Watch this. Let's go to Second uh, Kings chapter 23, verse 25. This is what it says. And like unto him, there was no king before him. Now, wait a minute. Before we go on any further, let's switch that for a second. And like unto Landon, there was no king before him that turned the Lord with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his might. According to the law of Moses, neither after him arose there any like him. When you put your name there, like, wow. There was no other man that served God more than Landon. There was no other man that arose, that had a desire, that had a fire to preach or teach the gospel, even though he wasn't a preacher. Even though he was just a truck driver that worked for Dr. Pepper, even though he was just a 23-year-old kid um, who's just starting out in life, who barely knows how to, you know, pay his bills, you know, I mean, someone like that, and yet he has a desire to preach the Word of God. I, I want to be remembered as the guy who, as the young man who, who did not fear to speak the truth, and that's why I think it's so important to have this conversation about, you know, uh, our grandparents' generation is because we need to realize, well, I squeaked there. Let me get some coffee. I'm getting a little bit too excited. We need to realize where we're bleeding at. We need to realize where we're losing blood. I heard the story one time. It was this, this man, he had a toothache. And he went to the dentist, and, and, and this man, he goes, hey, I got a toothache. You know, can you do something with it? <clears throat> and the dentist goes, yeah, we can pull it and get it out, clean it out, and we'll get all that done. And the man goes, no, 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 don't pull it. Just do whatever you can to ease the pain. And the doctor was like, well, okay, I mean, I can ease the pain for a while, but you'll just have to come back. The guy says, oh, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, just... Do whatever you got to do, but don't pull my tooth. Said, oh, and Dennis said, okay. So he fixes it up. He gets it to where it doesn't hurt no more, and he sends him on his way. After a few months, his tooth started hurting again. So he calls the doctor. He said, Doc, my tooth is hurting. The dentist, I'm sorry, Dennis. You know, Dennis, my, my tooth is hurting. I'll just call him Doc. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Doc, my tooth is hurting. Um, I need you to do what you, got, what you did last time. And the dentist said, okay, but really, it's just going to keep doing what just going to be in pain. You're going to be in a lot of pain until you actually pull the tooth. And the man goes, no, I'm not going to pull this tooth. He said, okay. So he went into the dentist's office, got it to where it didn't hurt again, sent him on his way. The man did that for so long. Just, you know, band-aiding his tooth, numbing it, whatever he had to do, just don't pull it. That it started to affect his other teeth. 
And the dentist went to him and he said, son, more of your, your teeth are rotting. And the man goes, don't pull my teeth. These are my teeth. Don't pull my teeth. And the doctor said, okay. As time went on, the young man ended up losing all of his teeth. Not all of them, but most of them. And they all rotted away. And he called the doctor and said, Doc, I'm losing my teeth. And I'm in bad pain. He goes, son, are you ready for me to fix your teeth? And the young man goes, yeah, I'm ready. So he goes in there, he starts pulling all these rotted teeth. I kind of messed up, okay? He didn't actually lose his teeth. His teeth were rotting inside, and it was just, it was all sore. He goes in, and he pulls all his teeth, puts new ones in, those fake ones, whatever. Sends them on his way, and the young man never had pain again. See, the problem is we don't address the issue in our churches. A lot of times we just say, ah, it's just the way it's always been. It's the way it is. It's always been this way. It's not going to change. The Bible says the days are going to get worse. And that's it. You know, Josiah could have easily just given up and said, well, you know, that's, man, like our forefathers had it great. They had a great opportunity. Too bad we don't have that opportunity now. Too bad we don't live in that kind of life now. Too bad our churches aren't thriving like they were before. Like they are. Like they were. But, but guys, you know, we can get back to that point. Kind of like the disciples, you know, when, when the Lord left. We don't need to be sitting around waiting for Jesus to come back. We can't just be just going to church and thinking that's good enough. Just because you go to church on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights, just because you're a continuously dedicated church member doesn't mean you're right with God. Doesn't mean our church is being blessed. Doesn't mean the Holy Spirit is in our church. It don't mean that. All it means is you're just going to church. But where's your heart? Where's that fire like Josiah had? Josiah had a desire to turn his whole nation around towards God. Why can't we do that for our little bitty churches? Young people, it's up to us, y'all. It really is. Our grandparents, they can't do a whole lot anymore. You know, and you know, they, they, it's got to a point where they're, they're kind of almost like prayer warriors. And if they would get their hearts right, and if they would start praying, and if they would start seriously committing themselves, I think things would change. But also, you know, our parents, they're getting a little older. It won't be long before they're in their shoes. If not, some of y'all might already have parents in their shoes already. But it's not too late. We're the next generation. And let me tell you, y'all, let me tell y'all. There's a lot less of us than there was with them. Look in our churches. There's a lot of old folks in our churches. A lot of them. And when they were young, there was a lot of young people in our churches. Back in those days, back in the 60s, there was a ton of young adults. From 30, 30 so to 18, there was tons of them. Everyone went to church. That was just what you did. 
Everyone went to church. Everyone had a fire. Everyone loved to serve the Lord. Like in the last podcast, things changed. Culture changed. They bit into it. They got sucked into it. Now look where we're at now. There's barely any young folks in our churches today. Barely. Like I said, Mallory and I are the only young, young couple in the church. And we have like 80-something dedicated members. And we're the only two. Every one of them are older. And there's actually two younger parents. But they're in their 30s. Old, late 30s. And then there's her parents, which are in their mid-40s. Everything else, they're 60-plus years old. What a sad, sad state of a church that is. Very sad. But that does not mean that we give up. That does not mean we sit around and do nothing. That doesn't mean that we're like, well, there it is. There it went. There was our opportunity. Even when you get shut down like I was. I was shot down, y'all, by my own church. I was told that there was going to be issues at this and that. And there was questions and all this and all that. Um, instead of just saying, yes, we're behind you the whole way. You just tell us what, we, what you need and we'll help you out. Instead of encouragement, instead of love and all this stuff, they brought up issues and troubles and, and, the, and problems. And, and that's going to happen. It just will. It just will happen. But that doesn't mean we got to quit. That doesn't mean that we can sit around and do nothing. It's time for us to step up to the plate. Because like I said in the past, there are so many people that are looking for a savior. They're looking for someone. Whether it's in Joe Biden or Donald Trump at that point or, or, or uh, politics or, or whatever it might be. Or an ideal People are looking for an answer. They're looking for a savior. They're looking for something to fight for, to live for. And they're obviously not getting it because the world can't give what they want, even though they keep turning to it. Maybe you're turning to it. But I promise you, not all the, all the money, all the joy that this world will offer you, it will never be satisfied. You will never be satisfied. Because the only kind of joy that, that is sustainable, that is true joy and true love and true happiness comes from God. Comes from the Lord. That's just a fact. That's just reality. You're not going to get happiness in marijuana. You're not going to get happiness in alcohol. You're not going to get happiness from making love to a girl or a boy. And yes, boy or girl. Not men and women. I was reading a I was reading something on Facebook the other day. And it said my boyfriend is the best father. First of all, I, I don't even know how that can make sense. How can you be in a father position? How can you be a father to a child and yet still be a boy, boyfriend? Now, you know, if you're older, if you're a man, whatever. But if you're like a young man and you get a girl pregnant and you are the father, but you don't want to... You don't want to take that next step 
to commit yourself to that girl to to that to your family in a in a way I don't understand how that can even work. How can you be a father and yet not be a husband? Because husband naturally comes before the father. You are a husband before you're a father. That's how it works. You're not a boyfriend and a father. You're a husband and a father. You're a wife and a mother. Not a girlfriend and a mom. Not a teen mom. Doesn't work like that. That was a weird rabbit trail. I'm not even sure where I was going with that. I just read that on Facebook and that was free for y'all. You're welcome. Let's see where we're at in time because I have no clue where we're at. 44 minutes. I got 15 minutes. I hope y'all are enjoying this episode so far. I really like it. Don't worry. We'll have some more uplifting things. But I hope this is a little bit more uplifting than the last episode. But it's, you know, it's time to, to, to turn a different direction. It's time for you young folks out there to get involved in a church and be on fire for the Lord and study the word of God. You know, my mom, she did this, she's doing this Bible thing with us, uh, on a Bible app and it's, and it's to read the whole Bible in one year. And it actually goes the actual timeline of the Bible. So you read a few chapters in Genesis and then it goes to Job and then it goes back to Genesis. Kind of weird, but it's cool. It's neat. And, you know, you're supposed to read it, you know, but I've been doing a lot of this studying. So as I work, I just read, I just listen to the man preach or reads the Bible. And and in fact, the the guy is, I wish I could read the Bible like that man. Can you imagine Morgan Freeman reading the whole Bible? Oh my goodness, that would be awesome. Tea break. Coffee and tea. Most people wouldn't think that it's good, but boy, I like it. Yeah, it's it's a great read, and we've been reading it. And, and you know, and to have a mom that... <laughs> My mom listens to every episode. In fact, right when it airs, she's probably the first ones to listen to it. And I'm so blessed to have parents that that are so supportive of what we of what me and my wife do here. But for my mom to for a mother to encourage, to love, and to say, hey, let's do this as a family. And we're doing it as a family, and we have some family friends that are doing it with us also. That, that do the reading through the Bible. And, and it's awesome. You know? But I, and I don't know if you're in that position where your parents, whether they're faithful church members or not, maybe y'all just go on occasion, whatever. But eventually, just like everything else, the next generation has got to step up. And I am scared for my life that we're not ready. We are not knowledgeable in the Bible like our grandparents were. We, we're not. We need to study. The Bible says study to show thyself approved. For instance, just because the Bible says don't get, just because the Bible doesn't say don't get a tattoo, doesn't mean you should get a tattoo. If the Bible doesn't say 
Just because the Bible doesn't say don't drink Bud Light means that you can drink Bud Light, okay? Just because the Bible says, just because the Bible doesn't say, man, I keep messing that up. Just because the Bible doesn't say don't smoke marijuana doesn't mean you can smoke marijuana, okay? Okay. Let's be smart. When you study the Bible, you can read it and you can realize the different things. You can read the Bible and say, hey, you know, that obviously Jesus turned water into wine. So, okay, wine is good. Wine is fine. Look deeper. Look deeper. And not only that, just read the Bible, okay? You can read the Bible. You can study about it, whatever. But not only that, but be smart. Let's look at the the world and that we live, that we live in and see what alcohol does. See how it's destroyed families, how it destroyed careers, childhood, marriages. The destruction behind all of the smoking, uh, doing drugs, alcohol, gambling. Now, the Bible does talk about gambling. But a study to show thyself approved. The Bible, listen, guys, for those who don't know the Bible that that well, the Bible is not the size, cannot be the size of a dump truck. If the Bible says thou shalt not smoke marijuana, thou shalt not drink, thou shalt not have intimacy before marriage, thou shalt not this, thou shalt not that. If the Bible, the Bible cannot say that. Why? Because God wants you to study the Bible. God wants you to get into his word. And the more you get into his word and the more uh, you pray and the more you meditate on God's word, the more God reveals to you. This book is incredible. The Bible is absolutely incredible. You will read a verse your whole life. And then, but once you have a really good connection with God, you'll read it again. You're like, whoa, that has a totally different meaning than what I thought. It's amazing. It's amazing what happens when you study the Bible. Not just study the Bible, but prayer and meditation. And allowing the Lord to open yourself up to the Lord so that he can reveal his message to you. Because we can study the Bible all day long and say, hey, there's nothing wrong with alcohol. It talks about it. Like, look, here's that and here's that. But if you open your eyes, if you really pray about it, if you really think about it, and look at the destruction it causes. Now, with tattoos... The Bible says that as a saved individual, your body is the temple of God, that you are an ambassador to Christ. You represent Christ. And you can disagree or not disagree. I don't care. But tattoos, unfortunately, they represent this world. They really do. You're saying this is my body, not your body, God. I do what I want with it. Now, if you have one, and you regret it, you know, hey, it's going to be okay. Everyone looks past it. Now, we'll be a mark, unfortunately. But the, we, all, we all make mistakes and we're all sinners. And the Lord can forgive. He will forgive. My aunt said one of the most wonderful things I've ever said, Aunt Cindy, Shout out to my Aunt Cindy. I love my Aunt Cindy. My Aunt Cindy is probably one of the strongest Christian women I ever met in my life. But she said a quote. 
She said, no matter what you do, no matter what you say, no matter where you go, no matter what sins you've committed, the Lord can forgive. It's an amazing statement. Amazing truth. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's time for us young people to remove our selfishness, our greed, our pride. And it's time to really get involved in the word of God. It's time to step up and say, hey, I'm going to do what God wants me to do, not what I want to do. I've never had a desire to be a rich man, but I've, for some reason, I've always had a desire to serve the Lord. And I want you in the same boat with me on that. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Let me check the time real quick because I need to know if I have just a few more minutes or not. I got a few more minutes. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, I did a lot of studying on this. And um, there's a lot more to Josiah. There really is. And there's a lot more verses to read. And if there's some things I missed, whatever, you know, I missed it on purpose. I, I, I just wanted to get some of the really key things into it. And there are some things in here that could have been the key thing uh, that you like. But you know what, guys? Y'all study. Oh, my goodness. Almost dropped my mic. There we go. Sorry if that sounded terrible. But um but y'all study this, y'all. I mean, this is this is some good stuff. Uh chapter 20 through 22 um about to 23, a little bit more after that. But um it's a, it's a great read. It really is. Um He's a great inspiration for young people. For a young man to step up and, 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 and against everything he was taught, against everything that was established in his life, that was his foundation, he turned around and said, no, we're going to follow God. That might be a difficult path. That might be a hard path. It might not be the richest or easiest path, but it's the right path. It's a path that God wants me on. And I know it's it's hard to get involved in church once you're out of it. If you've never been in it, I mean, boy, I encourage y'all to find you a good church. Get involved. Get involved. It'll change your life. We live in a busy, busy world, brother. We really do. There's so many distractions. There's so many things that we got to accomplish now and we got to do, we got to know. I mean, the world can swallow us up super quick. It really can. But the Bible never changes. It's the only consistent thing that we have. God doesn't change. He established his word and his word is word. His word is law. Josiah says, this is the book of the law, and we must abide by it. We must live by it. Unlike his forefathers that did not hearken unto the words of the book. 
He, he turned his country around. If you read on it, it goes back downhill. It does. But, you know, in Josiah's life, in his life, he did whatever he could to, to, to turn as many people to God as he could. And that's what we need to do in our life, in our generation. They talk about quit smoking. Our generation needs to be the generation to quit smoking. Our generation needs to be the generation to quit drinking. Our generation needs to be the generation of no new drugs. And I'm all for that, 100%. But I'm also on the team where our generation needs to be the generation to turn back to God. It's true. I want to be like Josiah. By the end of my days, whenever that day may come, I want to be able to say I did all I could. Will I be able to say that? Not Maybe not, but I want to think that, look, I, I tried. I did my best, sincerely. I was involved in church. I fought and I tried and I, I preached the Word of God. I want, I want to lead people to the Word of God, as many people as I can. Because like the Titanic, there are people out there that are freezing. There are people out there that are dying and they need a Savior. That Savior is Jesus Christ. I'm just an ambassador. I just represent His glory and His grace. Thank you all so much for listening. I really appreciate it. I really do. 408 of you guys, I think it was. Um, boy, that's a lot of people, but I really, really enjoy y'all listening. Um, thank you all so very much. It's been a blast. I love doing this. Um, I love being able to get the word of God out. I love being able to share some stories with my friends and family. And uh, I promise we're going to have some people on. I promise me and Mallard we're going to do a little life update pretty soon. I mean, those are just, they, they got to be spaced out. You can't expect every single episode to be an update because, I mean, y'all, y'all know. I mean, life just, you know, sometimes it's slow. Sometimes you get married and you live your life and you work and, you know, get things going. The next episode, I think I'm going to talk about, you know, if I don't have someone on, um, my hobbies, the hobbies I've picked up. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Uh, some of it's going to be about grilling. Some of some so little can't even speak. Some of it's going to be about these models I've been building. Who knows? But I want to thank y'all for listening to the podcast so very much. Again, thank you so much. I love doing this, and I appreciate all the love and support y'all have given us. I'm Landon Barrios, and this is By the Campfire with the Barrioses. Mm-hmm.